You're listening to Just Ask Malia with Malia Horde from the Malia Realty Group, recorded at Bourbon Barrel Podcasting Studios. Hey everybody, it's Malia Horde with Just Ask Malia Podcast, and today we are sitting around the bourbon table ready to start our next collaborative conversation with two fine gentlemen that I uh, call friends as well as trusted allied partners. I have Jim Chandler and Randy Ward with Chandler Home Inspection here to talk about the home inspection process. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello, Leah. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate you coming in and having this conversation with me. I know we have lots of them all the time and we that both personally and professionally. So um, I'm excited to share your story and tell everybody about you and have some helpful information for our community and uh, friends and family that are listening. Sure. Great. Thank you. So as you know, this collaborative conversation came about because through the real estate, um, we realized how essential great businesses are in people to building our community. And I think Lexington and the Bluegrass area is the best place to live in America, even though I'm from Jersey. And, <laughs> and I believe it's so important to like tell our local and future residents about people like you and, and let them know you and get to know you and so that they view you as a trusted resource. And I think behind every great business is a really great story that most people don't get to hear about and I like to peel back that onion and share how you got where you are and why you got where you are. So, Jim, you are the man behind all of this with your partner in crime, Randy. Tell me, how did you start this? What's your story with Chandler Home Inspection? Well, I, I was a builder all my life. My dad was a builder and remodeler before me. In, in 2007... I had been building a lot of houses and selling them to people that couldn't afford them. And uh, my building partner at the time was doing the same thing. And I went to him and told him we just started a house. And and I said, this is going to be my last house. After all these years, I can see this bubble about to burst. And, you know, God just blessed me. I I actually came over to Lexington. Uh, I'm, I'm from Danville originally. But I came over to Lexington to Apas Weichel School. I thought I'd get my real estate license. <laughs> I'd oh, sold I love every it. <laughs> I'd sold every house I'd ever built. You and about five other thousand people, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I go in there, and uh, uh, they asked me what I did for a living, and I told them I'd been a builder all my life. And uh, they said, "Well, why don't you get a home inspection license?" And I said, "Well, what? I didn't even know they had just in '06 is when it passed the Kentucky Legislature creating oh. the license." So it's fairly new. Oh, yeah. So uh, I, I signed up and took my 64 hours of classroom, uh, did my due diligence there, and, and uh, took my state test and passed it, and here we are. Been a, been a home inspector ever since. Okay, so let me get this right. In 2006, Kentucky enacted the home inspector license. In 2007, you were still selling homes because you have a lineage of being a builder and parents being a father being a builder and your last home was actually built in 2007 so you had that fine magic magic crystal ball (laughs) to say oh 2008 everything's gonna fall through the bottom perfect timing perfect Perfect timing hindsight's 2022 right and then you went to a pest that's where i got my real estate license as well as my boys 
Um, and you got your home inspector license. Yeah. Wow. So were you like a guinea pig? At that time, how many home inspectors had been through school? Do you know that? Uh, my, my original license number, and we call it our heritage number because the state has given us a new licensing code. Yep, same here. I my, think through Bevan. My original number was 2354. So I was the 354th person licensed in the state, state of Kentucky. Okay, so the two doesn't. Okay. Wow. Fascinating. Okay, so you started Chandler Home Inspection. How did Randy get involved? Well, Randy's been a friend, and, and actually I'd, I'd met Randy uh, inspecting his house <laughs> for, an, for another client uh, in Danville. And we got to know one another, and I, and I told Randy one day, I said, you know, you'd, you'd make a good inspector because you, you're a builder and you, you're in the, in the building material sales into the, into the business, and uh, you would make a good inspector. And he must have taken it to heart because he, he went on to – came up here to A-Pass Weichel and took the classes. Uh, couldn't decide whether he wanted to go into it full-time, even though I was nagging him on a regular basis. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> I mean, over about a two-year period, every time I saw Jim, uh, you know, he wanted me to get my license. I kept thinking about it and thinking about it, and finally I did. And kind of like him, when I went to A-Pass Weichel, I wasn't sure if I was going to go left to real estate or right to home inspection. <laughs> but I went to home inspection because I had a background in it and uh, and and got my license. And uh, at that time, it was in 2013, I was going to start my own business. And uh, it's going to be 2020 inspections. And my wife got breast cancer. Oh, so I didn't know uh, that. she's Sorry. doing great now. But at that time, she decided I need to get with a company that had insurance and not be on my own. So... I didn't really get into the business yet of home inspections. So fast forward about a year and a half, Jim called me. Uh, still had my license, kept it up, and then he just he he was busy and he wanted to slow down a little bit and, and just wanted me to pick up some inspections for him in the afternoons and here and there. Oh, and so you teased him, Jim, right? <laughs> just kind of put that little bait out there. Here's let's, a cherry. Let's see, let's see if money can change his mind. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I, I started doing them after work. I was. Still material sales, and uh, it wasn't long before it, it was pretty obvious to me that, that not just financially, but I liked it better, and it, that I needed to be a home inspector full time. So I went full time, and me and Jim became partners, and, and that was about fifteen, I think, is when that happened. So you got into real home inspection probably about the same time I got into real estate, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Two thousand fourteen, thirteen, taking right. tests and doing that, right? Right. Then you had your little breast cancer scare. We had our cancer scare as well. So wow, we're more alike than I realized. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, the thing I like about it is something different every day. It might be an eighty thousand dollar home one day and eight hundred thousand the next day. So it's, it's something different every day. Well, and I like to tell people that the home inspection process is where the deal falls falls apart. It's not. It's not your job to come in and find everything that's wrong. It's more that you guys are coming into the home inspection to prepare a home manual for the client. Correct. Um, because unless they're buying a new build, there's no home warranty. Uh, there's no home manual that they actually get to tell them about the house. So you come in and you create it for them. We put it in a binder for them. We give it to them at closing. So they use that as a reference manual um, we have that good, bad, and ugly that you guys always seem to find. <laughs> right, right. No perfect house. There is no perfect house, right? It's like buying a used car. Wheels are worn. You're going to have to buy new wheels. Yeah. 
Right. So with the home inspection process, it's I tell people this is where it falls apart. So because it becomes very emotional and you guys are really good about keeping that emotion down and presenting challenging um, situations in a, in a good, clear manner. But it becomes emotional because sellers think their house is great and buyers want a great house. And usually they don't equal out so much in terms of the things that you guys find. Correct. We, we go in areas that, you know, the crawl space, they may not have been there for three, four, five years, who knows, or ever. So they don't have any idea what's going on underneath their house or in their attic. And then, so that's always a surprise for them because they've never been there. Well, and I also believe that um, things behind the walls, you don't really think about. You don't think about what's in the attic. You don't think about what's in the crawl space. You know, you're used to the water pressure not being so great or the hot water having to kick on after a certain point or the cold water kicking in at a certain point. But I always tell people that with the home inspection, you know, we want to hear the good, right? Of course, you're buying a house, you want everything to be perfect. The The bad is, hey, your roof's 20 years old, it's a 30-year-old roof, and hey, um, there's scratches, and hey, your mm-hmm. water heater is almost at that useful life, so you may want to kick in a kitty fund to get s- saving for that. The ugly is, hey, there's a hole in the roof, or hey, the HVAC doesn't work, or hey, there's a crack in the foundation. Right, right. Yeah. Or, or, or we find termite tunnels in the crawl space. Termite, right. All those great things that you want you don't want to find. So tell me, what is the most challenging thing for you as the home inspector? I, it's it's probably crawl spaces. Uh, uh, usually, you can you, everything else is pretty straightforward. You can get to it. Uh, you can examine it closely, and and crawl spaces are such a forgotten place. And then most builders don't know how to build a correct crawl space, so they're going to have moisture issues or or, uh, air air infiltration issues. Something's going to be wrong. And uh, that's probably the biggest challenge. When you open that door, you you pray you're going to see a good film of plastic down on the floor for a vapor barrier and clean clean and well-lit and... That's light switch, a, a, yeah, light switch, <laughs> HVAC and, on top of like bricks, and not have to lay in the mud and open up the furnace so you can read the label on it. it you hope none of that has to happen, but it usually doesn't. Yeah, we 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 I, Jim's built way more than I have, but I have built some houses. And way back when you did a crawl space, if if you left the ground level when you left the job, we thought that was good. You know, it's level. That's what you want. But we didn't go back five years later when the level started tilting towards the house. Mm. So, therefore, there's where you start getting some moisture issues because the ground's tilted towards the house. Now, if we built today, it would be a nice hill going away from the house. <laughs> but we didn't do that back then. And then the other thing we didn't do was was vapor barriers or, or six-mil plastic. We might have put gravel in, but we would very rarely did you do plastic back in the days. And now that's just you have to have that in every house. It's very important, not just for water vapor, but also for things like radon gas. Well, let's talk about being a home inspector because we kind of touched about it, but I think we need to get a little bit deep because like real estate agents, there's probably a dime a dozen, and I think there's a lot of home inspectors out there as well. I'm seeing people go to Yelp and looking at the reviews. I know our reviews are extremely instrumental in giving validity to our customer care and our 
and providing a great experience for our clients. But to be a home inspector, you guys both come from a building background, which I feel gives an extra additive to people into clients to make them understand the process. And you, you're very good about breaking that down into like 101, mm-hmm. you know, house knowledge for a new homeowner or even a seasoned homeowner. But what does it take to be a home inspector? You talked a little bit about classes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have to go to an approved school and uh, you can go online uh, to Kentucky Board of Home Inspectors and, and check it out and see what schools are approved to teach home inspection in the state of Kentucky. You're required to do 64 classroom hours in that school, and some of that will be uh, you'll be taken out, you know, to a to a live house or whatever to get to go through it for a certain percentage of those hours. Uh, then you pass usually a school test, and then you can take the state test, uh, which is about 250 questions, and that's where a lot of people fall by the wayside. So it's very similar to the real estate exam, yeah. right? School test and the state test. Now. You um, are being a little bit very coy and humble right here, Jim Chandler, because my understanding is when I first met you, you were on the state uh, board of home inspectors, and I heard you rolled off, and I heard you just rolled back on. Tell us yes. about that. That's a big kudos. I was I was very surprised in July when I got a call from the governor's office, and they asked me if I'd be willing to serve again. I I served uh, two terms under Steve Bashir under his. Uh, Andy Bashir's dad. Uh, he first appointed me in October of eleven, and uh, uh, reappointed me again in two thousand thirteen. And in two thousand fifteen, the board elected me as chairman. Oh, great! And, uh, Congratulations! So, so I'm back on the board uh, for another term. Uh, it's set up a little bit differently. Uh, uh, Governor Bevan uh, rearranged the board, reduced its size from nine members down to down to three, and now we've upped it to five. Three just wasn't enough to get all the work done, and we've upped it to five. And uh, it's working out smooth if we could ever meet live. I'm tired of these Zoom meetings. (laughs) I think there's something very powerful about a face-to-face, and I appreciate you guys sitting here at the bourbon table with me to to do that because I'm very relational and love that contact. Absolutely. I, 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 I don't know what people that, that haven't been able to get out during this uh, COVID deal have done. I would, I would be pulling my hair out. Right. Uh, I'm, just, I'm a people person, and I think that's part of what you need to be to do this job correctly. Well, and I think there's a lot of anything dealing with real estate, you know, because I believe real estate is one of the biggest financial assets people have. Um, but forming those relationships and, and gaining that trust of the clients, mm-hmm. you know, with that asset and making sure that you always have their back is so crucial. Um, I think you're an integral part of that as well. Um, I've watched you guys with clients just take that fear out of them and just give them a point of logic of, hey, stuff's going to happen. This is how you fix it. Or um, this is how you get around fixing it. Or this is what you need to do. Yeah. That's why we like to have our clients come to the inspection. Mm-hmm. Even if you can't work it out to be there, usually, an average inspection is between two and three hours. And if, if, if you can't be there for the whole thing, which you're welcome to be, if we're doing the inspection, you're welcome to be there for the whole thing. If you can come for the last half hour, 45 minutes, and let, you give, let us give you a walk through the house, let us show you 
uh, where the main water shutoff is in case there's an emergency. Of course, there's going to be pictures of this in your report. But, you know, a picture is one thing, but laying your hand on it is another. Well, and I think that's been really instrumental as well. I've watched clients, and we always offer, you know, we give them a list of home inspectors, um, and obviously they choose the home inspector. Um, you guys are one of our allied trusted home inspectors off of that list, so thank you for that. Um, and that comes at the recommendation of our clients, right? So right. you guys have made the list because of our clients. And we always tell them it's going to be two to three hours. You're welcome to follow these guys around the house and learn about it. And we encourage the homeowners to do that so that they they know what is going on in the house because a lot of these people don't know. I mean, no. I've learned so much from you guys. It's been amazing. It's very important, in my opinion, that they be there because a picture can – Say something to some one person means something to somebody else, regardless of our explanation. But when you can show it to them, let them touch it, tell them what it's about, it's, it's so much better. Well, and you guys check the electrical, you check the plumbing, you check the HVAC units, you check the windows, you check the roof, you check the foundation, plumbing, appliances. Yeah. Uh, the attic structure, the, attic the structure. floor structures. Uh, the wall coverings, uh, the windows, uh, the countertops. I mean, everything from the top of the roof down. Okay, what are the things that you don't check? Cabinets that are filled, <laughs> attic spaces <laughs> well, that are blocked. Uh, technically, we're not insect inspectors. Correct. Uh, if we see activity or tubes, we may mention it, but we're, we're not there for termites. We don't, we don't, we're not even allowed to say the word. So we're not there for that. We're really not there for mold or, or mildew or, or yeah, environmental growth. issues. We're not there to do. But you do test for radon as an yes, a, as do, an add-on. Yeah. Yes. So uh, we we might mention that you know there's moisture here. You're not going to get any kind of organic growth without moisture. So we we'll mention the moisture, but we we can't call anything mold because we're not mold inspectors. I always tell my clients. I give them this analogy, and maybe you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. The home inspector is like the general doctor. You're going into the doctor for an annual checkup or you're going in because you have some aching pains and you're not quite sure what's going on. And the general doctor comes in and does a, a checkup and assesses you and says, you know what? You got a little bit of a little unusual beat to your heart. It could be a series of different things. Everything else is checking out well across the charts and the ranges that you need, but your heart's got a little bit of a murmur, I recommend you to go see the specialist for the heart doctor. Right. So with your home inspection, if there's something that falls out of range from the HVAC or with the electric panel or the water pressure, you point that out to say, hey, guys, there's something unusual. It doesn't fit the criteria of the standard ranges. I recommend you... Bring in a licensed electrician. I recommend you bring in a licensed HVAC guy, which is the specialist. Correct. Right? Exactly. And then that's what we do. And then we have additional inspections to make sure nothing's wrong with that, and we take it from there. Is that a good, is that a good simple analogy for a first-time homebuyer? Very well done. Yeah. We, uh, we, are, we really are, are just a visual inspection only. So we don't break a lot of things down in, in real hard depth. We will test the temperature coming out of the vents to make sure it's in the proper range. Uh, we will take the furnace, uh, furnace cover off because technically we have to do that to find the date on it. 
but but we're not heating air men. We don't keep temp, uh, uh, pressure gauges and things like that. But so we test that it's in the proper range it's supposed to be, age it, and do, and do things like that. Same with the electrical panel. We're not electricians. We pull the panel cover off, and there's certain things we look for and issues in the panel. But but we don't dig into it as hard as an electrician would. Well, and I, I have found you guys to be really instrumental with new builds. A lot of people don't think that they need a home inspection when it's new construction. And I think it was actually you guys that taught me that it's a really good idea to get a home inspection with a new build. And that's cost uh, helped alleviate a painful expense for some of our clients because when you're building, right, your builder's basically your general contractor and Mm -hmm. then he subs out the plumbing and he subs out the electric and he subs out the countertops and he subs out the plumbing. And all these guys are working to the best of their ability, but they have employees just as much as we have employees. And sometimes things just go wrong, human error. And you guys have caught many things with a new build that, I know my clients are extremely grateful. I've done uh, many dozens of new houses, new builds uh, in my career, and I haven't written up a perfect house yet. So tell me, if someone's buying a new build, what are some of the things they should look for besides hiring a home inspector to do it before, as soon as the certificate of occupancy is Make sure the yard is graded correctly, that that the the water is going to flow away from the foundation of the home. Uh, the driveway is to be included in that. Make sure the drive isn't sending water toward the house or garage. Uh, make sure the downspouts, the gutter downspouts, have extensions and aren't just pouring the water from the roof around your foundation. Or across your front walkway. <laughs> yeah, or across <laughs> the walkway. Remember that one? Yes, yeah. I do. As far Attic as that, space, we've looked at duct work. Yeah. We found issues yeah. with duct work that uh, uh, just got unnoticed, right. didn't I mean, get connected with right. New construction, you can kind of tell if the quality's there by the by the way the place looks. Yeah, and uh, you know if if we see that's half done or dirty, uh, uh, things like that, then we know we better be ready to look for some stuff because mm-hmm. it just seems like they're not taking care of that property. Mm-hmm. I had a friend of mine call me, and it wasn't a formal inspection, but she knew what I did for a living. And she had bought a brand-new house, uh, and it was then now about six months old. And this was a few years ago. And she said, I want you to come over and look at this, Jim. It, it, there's, there's, some, there's an issue somewhere. I feel a breeze when I'm in my foyer. You know, cold weather, hot weather, uh, feel a breeze in there. So I go over and I look and I see a heat register in the foyer, which is supposed to be near the front door. And, and I thought, well, I think I don't know what's wrong here. And uh, then I it had a crawl space. I went into the crawl space and someone had cut for the register and laid the register in place, but there was no duct work to it. It, uh, it hadn't just fallen out. It was never installed. It was just a hole in the floor. Wow. On a brand new house. Wow. I mean, just... How many times do we just forget to do something? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Honest mistake, I'm sure. Uh, nobody, you know, that wasn't going to save the heating air man a ton of money by leaving one piece of duct out. But uh, it, it certainly had not been done, and on a brand new house, so who who can figure? Yeah. One weird thing we catch on on all houses really is uh, the microwave not venting properly. So Tell me about of, that. Well, a lot of microwaves now, you can either have vented or non-vented. Range vents. Range vents. Well, the, yeah, the, the, the vents on the microwave that, for the ranges. 
you have to uh, move the ductwork yourself and set it up for whichever one you're doing. And a lot of people just buy it, put it up above the range, and, and never look at any of that. And and so what happens is when the fan comes on, it just blows out the top underneath the cabinet. It doesn't come back into the room like it's supposed to. But we see that a lot because somebody goes out and just, well, that's a good-looking microwave. I want that. And they take it home. They put it in. They never read the paperwork. So when we find that, they have to pull it back out and adjust the vent properly. Tell me what, what was the most unusual thing you've seen in a house. I know that's a wild card because of the years of experience that you've been doing this. <laughs> oh, I could write a book. Uh, oh, gosh. I, I, this has happened more than a dozen times uh, uh, in my career. Uh, usually it's on a house that, that has renters. And uh, everybody's told, everybody has, has notifications several days before I show up. More than a dozen times, I've had people that stay in the bed. Oh, I believe it. We had that yesterday at a showing. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> in the basement. In, in a basement that wasn't even a bedroom. Yeah. They had a bed on the floor. I just, you, you can't make it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, we, what we've done, and uh, uh, it's been several months since the last one, one of those occurred to me, and I'm just going to refuse to enter. Uh, if they're going to stay in the bed, uh, I'm not going to go into that room, and I'll write it in the report. That that's why I was denied access to that room. Uh, we have to watch for ourselves too. Right. Be very careful of what we do. Uh, by the way, Malia, uh, part of our uh, what we do to to get our license is we have to go through a FBI background check, mm-hmm. a state police background check, mm-hmm. and then every two years our licenses are renewed, and we have to go through a state police background check again. Oh, so with our real estate license, we have to do the FBI, state police, but we don't have to renew that. It's no. interesting. I wonder if they'll change that. Uh, ours isn't going to change. Uh, uh, I know that because I'm very much in favor of that. Uh, I, we, I, I tell people that we have more police background checks than realtors. I believe it. You know, I always tell people getting a home inspection is probably the best money of the entire process. To the point that unless you are buying a flip or something on the auction block through a foreclosure, you know, we, we highly recommend our clients doing it. And if they don't, we make them sign a release. I don't think that I've right. had one client not do a home inspection that wasn't flipping it or uh, buying a foreclosure just because we feel so strongly about that money. You guys also do pre-inspection. So you know, for sellers that are about to put their house on the market, especially if we live there a long time. I mean, I've lived in my house 21 years, and if we sell our house, we'll get a pre-inspection because that that prevents the surprise exactly. and the emotions falling up later. And a lot of times we forget that there are things wrong with our house that we never addressed. Mm-hmm. Tell us some of the things you look for a pre-inspection. It's the same process. Yeah, it's basically the same process. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only difference is we may or may not do a write a report. We might just have, just from a cost standpoint, because a lot of people don't want necessarily pay for a full inspection if they're selling their house. So uh, it, it'll definitely be a verbal report. They can write down anything they want. If they want us to do a full report, we'll do that. But as far as the process goes, it's exactly the same. There's no, uh, we don't cut it short. We don't abbreviate. It's the same exact inspection. I totally agree. I think doing a, a pre-inspection is crucial. Tell me some of the things with a homeowner, some of the 
things that a homeowner can do to avoid a bad inspection showing up? You know, what are some maintenance things that you highly recommend? If you have a crawl space, please look in the crawl space. Several years ago, uh, we had gone through several days of hard rain, and I was I had a scheduled inspection uh, uh, in Danville. And I get there, and the house is on a high spot, according to the topography of the ground. And I, t- I told the guy, I said, no, I'm going to go in the crawl space last. I said, I hope it didn't wet. I've lived here 25 years. There's never been a drop of water in there. I've heard that before. I opened the door <laughs> up, and there's a foot and a half of water solid over the entire crawl space. <sighs> and he just wasn't aware of it. And that couldn't have been the first time it ever got in there. That's right. But yes, we we were in. We'd had like three days in a row of solid rain, but still. And I said, "You're going to have to pump that out and get it dry before I can get in there, <laughs> because we do not go through water. You don't know if there's a live wire in it. You don't know what's going on in there. We do not get into water." Yeah, I get, and you guys come in contact with a lot of critters, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just recently in Harrodsburg, I was in an attic. You'd mentioned weird things, and it it had a bat infestation. Uh, so when I pulled down the the ladder to go up, bat feces came down. The <laughs> night time, I didn't know it was bats at the time, but it was really weird. It was a little bigger than mice, so it was really weird. But when I got up there, I mean, things were just coated. Uh, the the heat and air unit, everything was just absolutely coated with with bat. Well, and I would encourage, I would encourage residents that are, you know, buying or selling a home to ask what they're doing. We provide a whole list of what the home inspector should be covering. But I had a client that hired a home inspector that was supposed to check the attic, took pictures, but literally came to find out after the fact, never went in the attic. And the same thing that you had, Randy, infested with bats i mean bat droppings it cost thousands of dollars to clean that attic space and it wasn't found for months to come Mm -hmm. and um, and you're not allowed to kill a bat bats are protected wow it costs a lot of money to get rid of bats really Mm -hmm. is there something special about bats that they would be they're they're protected wow that's amazing they have to be trapped Okay, so what about raccoons? Because I just had an incident with <laughs> you a home kill inspector. Raccoons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> raccoons. I learned raccoons are a little bit like monkeys. They can get up on you know a hundred foot house yeah, that's can, all brick and gets would, through a little. They'll take vents out to get. Oh them. yeah, yeah. They'll they'll, they'll, they'll use their little front paw hands and they'll tear a roof vent up to crawl in. And uh, the uh, power vents. I've seen them. You know that big hood on a power vent. Mm-hmm. And I've, they reach under there and pull the wire loose and crawl under it and crawl in the attic. You don't even know they're there. And then until they've covered it with feces. And, and they love to tear up ductwork. Oh, I don't yeah. know why a raccoon likes to do that, but they love to tear ductwork all to pieces. I'm just surprised that they don't fall through the attic. Like if they... They're just not heavy enough to knock down drywall. Okay. Uh, yeah, of course, they're easier to hear than a, than a squirrel or something, but... Um, yeah, I, I was taking down a, uh, the hatch of a scuttle hole going into an attic one time and turned it sideways, and raccoon feces went down my head and down my neck and down my shirt. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a mess. We seen, was, go, go ahead. ahead. 
seen more snakes in attics than I have in crawl spaces. Really? How do they? mm, I wouldn't have thought that one. I would have thought the crawl space for sure. Nah. I never saw a poisonous snake in an attic. I have in crawl spaces, but I've seen more snakes in general in attics than I have in crawl spaces. So check our crawl space. Check the attic. Yeah, a vapor barrier in the crawl space. Uh, six mil plastic on the floor of the crawl space. If it's not there or it's torn up, it will be written up every single time. So are you a proponent of having a vapor barrier or not? Because I've absolutely, heard a little bit of controversy. Absolutely. I've had some homeowners that want it ripped out, and I'm like, why? You need that plastic down. There's you need plastic to keep vapor uh, from soaking up into the house and into your floor insulation. Another thing you need to do is leave us plenty of space to get to the electric panel. Leave us plenty of space to get to the attic hatch or pull downstairs, whichever it is. Uh, uh, leave us plenty of room uh, uh, to get to the crawl space. It, it, we, uh, a house we, we walked away from a few weeks ago, it was so overgrown that we were going to literally, you know, weeds armpit high mm. in, a, in, a, in a snaky area of the county. And it was a warm day, and I, I told the gentleman, I'm not crawling through those weeds to get to that crawl hole. <laughs> it isn't going to happen. Clean that out thoroughly, and I'll go down there. So we, we had to go back a week or so later. I think we all try to be sympathetic to people's needs and circumstances and stuff, but sometimes you just wonder. Right? Yes, yes, you do. <laughs> sometimes you just yeah, Well, the, the inside was worse than the outside in that yeah. house. But <laughs> it was the best. Okay, so there's been a lot of questions from clients about HVACs, like heat pumps versus a gas furnace, age of life. Tell me, give me some guidance out there for the residents out there that don't know the difference between a heat pump and just like a gas furnace. I prefer, if, if you have a choice, if you got natural gas, uh, and of course everybody has electricity, but if you have natural gas available, I like a dual fuel system. We just got one of those a couple of years ago. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. wonderful. Uh, at a heat, an electric heat pump is more efficient at heating and cooling, uh, especially heating down to about 34 degrees or so. Below that temperature, a gas furnace is more efficient. Well, a dual fuel system, you don't have to hit a button or a switch. You don't have to pay attention. It takes care of itself. If it's above 34, it's a heat pump. Below 34, it's a gas furnace. And it, it's the best of both worlds. They're not that much higher uh, than, than the standard units. There, there are some higher, but it, it's just the way to go if you if you have that opportunity, if you have that choice. Yeah, the, the difference is, is heat, electric heat pump is going to put out about 85, 88 degree air. And it, it, it's engineered to be 15 to 18 degrees more than the air going in. So if it's 70 degree air is going in. It's going to kick out 85, 88 degree air typically. A gas furnace is going to be 120 plus all the time. Wow. So it, when people say it's better heat, it's, it's moisture heat. Feels better. It feels better because it's 30 to 40 degrees warmer. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it feels better. I've always had gas, so it, and it amazes me that some people don't want a gas furnace. I'm stunned at how many people are scared of gas. Yes, I've, I've there's had lots of people out there. Of that. Mm-hmm. I think there's that um, the unknown. It's just education and explaining things that um, people think that their house is going to blow up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and and myself, I I was scared of gas before I started doing this. Mm-hmm. 
no particular reason, but I just, just like you said, I thought, well, something can happen. <laughs> so tell me for people out there listening, an HVAC average life of an electric furnace or a gas furnace? Around 20 years. 20 years for an HVAC. So when we're looking at a seller's disclosure, when someone's buying it, and also when someone's selling it, if it says 15, average, it's almost at the end, but you still probably have five years. Yeah. And, and you know, I've seen I've seen gas furnaces run 40, 45 years. I have too. That isn't the norm, but that I've seen that happen. Uh, then again, I, I've seen gas furnaces go out in five years. That's right. It's so it's the luck uh, of the draw. We how just you take care of them. You know, at about twenty years, we're going to say your unit is aged, and at about the end of its life expectancy, you know, in other words, be prepared. So, is it different for an electric furnace? Yes. Uh, well, heat pumps, which are electric, uh, about twenty years for their units too. But you you'll never see a forty year old heat pump, uh, and and I'm I'm tempted to think that in the future. Uh, we'll we'll come back back up a little bit on that life expectancy, and it'll be more like fifteen years or less. Okay, which is ridiculous. <laughs> what about a water heater? What's the average life? Gas and electric. Uh, we usually say sixteen to twenty. There's a really wide range on water heaters. Uh, we used to say twenty on those, but I think we've kind of backed that up a little bit more to like sixteen to twenty. And I know that's a four year. That's a big range, but they're just all over the map as far as life expectancy goes. Okay. So that educated me because I usually, I always tell people about 12 years. Well, there is some things online I have seen that is 12, but I I feel like that's just not long enough. Uh, It depends on where you are too. The water. That's right. And make all the difference. We have uh, hard water here, like a lot of mineral in it. Roofs, we're seeing roofs now 30 30 years, ever since 2007. Do you agree with that? Most of them. It's a 30-year warranty. Is what they say is. It's really a matter of how steep the roof is. The steeper, the better, because water and snow doesn't stay on it very long. So if it's a 30-year warranty shingle on a really steep pitch, you'll get close to 30 years probably on that. But if it's on a narrower or a shallower pitch, you might not get much more than 22, 24. So the pitch matters when it comes to shingles. You'll seldom get 30 years out of any shingle. I'll tell you what, my roof is like straight up. We have an old Victorian, and yeah. it's like a peak. Looks right. like a mountain, a Mount Everest. Yeah, it'll last a long time. Yeah. Water and, and snow won't stay on it very long. Okay, so I've also noticed that you are also very available after the fact. So when they come for the home inspection, if they don't follow you, we always meet you. I never come to the actual inspection to the very end. Some I know some agents don't even do that. Um, I just feel as part of my client experience, we want to be there to help them understand and also to educate ourselves. And you explain your pictures, you go through where different things are in the house, then you probably take 24 to 48 hours to actually issue the report through an email, electronic version. Um, but I find you're always available after that because there's always questions, right? It kind of processes mm-hmm. it's so much information at once. And you come back and do reinspection sometimes. We're we're not going to take your money and run. Uh, if if you have an issue with something we've seen, or maybe maybe just a question, mm-hmm. uh, we're always going to be make ourselves available in some way. Uh, of course, we're very very busy, 
but we'll make ourselves available. We'll, we'll get back with you. If, if we don't have to come to the house, we'll answer your questions on the phone at any time. But uh, we, we wind up uh, occasionally having to go back. Uh, I, had, I had a lady here in Lexington a few weeks ago uh, call me and said, you couldn't have checked my faucet on my kitchen sink. No water will come out. And I, I happened to be doing another inspection here in town that day, and I said, I'll be over there in about an hour. And I got there, and she and her grown son were saying, flipping the levers, saying, see, it won't come out. And I took the lever and pulled it sideways, and it poured out. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we try to make ourselves available. And usually it's, you know, I won't, I won't say it's always something simple or stupid like that, but uh, we'll, we're, we're builders, and we know how to put things together, and, and we'll, we'll answer your questions and, and uh, see, see if we can help you out any way we can. So what areas do you cover in Kentucky? Because with a real estate license, I presume it's the same with the home inspector. You can go anywhere in the state, correct? Correct. So what are your typical areas for mm. those out there listening and needing somebody? Probably an hour and a half. Circle, a Danville, Lexington? Danville, Lexington. I mean, it just depends on, on what it is. Mm-hmm. I, I was up in the Moorhead area yesterday. Yeah, I'll yeah. go. I mean, I'm probably about the same. I'll go hour, hour and a half out, and yeah. after that, I usually refer to somebody. I think the furthest I went was Ashland. That was for a friend. But that's 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 starting to reach, reach the limit. There. Yeah, that's pretty stretch. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I actually did an inspection down in Pikeville, Pike County. Uh, that was years ago. I'll never drive that again. But that that was a long way. So I hate to bring this one up. A lot of times, clients are say, oh, that home inspector missed that. It's his fault. Tell me, how do I get around that one? It's always how do our I fault. explain that? <laughs> it's always your fault. Well, it's always my fault, too. So, <laughs> uh, it, 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 Everybody that comes into a house, and you know, why didn't your home inspector find this? Right. You know, we're going to be in your house, like we said, two to three hours on, on an average size house. Uh, yes, we try to find everything. We we literally try to find everything, and most of the time, we we do find all the major issues. We're not perfect, but you're reporting on the condition of the yes. home at the time of the inspection. So I really want day. to make that clear for everybody out there. It's not your job to have the crystal magic ball, but it is your job to report on the condition of the home as of that day. And I have seen. Uh, conditions on that day. That's why we do a final walkthrough where from the time we do the home inspection, there's maybe two two weeks to a month after that, that until we close. Oh, and yeah. Anything can happen. Mm-hmm. I always tell the home, homeowners, if you have an old furnace, pray to God it doesn't break down until the closing. Sure, if you're a sure. buyer, pray to God it breaks down before the closing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the reasons we take, uh, we take lots of pictures in our reports, but we, uh, one reason we photograph the kitchen is uh, we tell you the brand name of all your appliances. Mm-hmm. And it's never happened to Randy and I, but it's happened to friends of mine in the business. Uh, people are buying this house with this nice double-wide refrigerator that's, you know, one year old, and they, they move in, and there's a, an, a 12-year-old worn-out, you know, piece of junk sitting there. And you go back to those pictures and say, here it is. Here's that's what right. you bought. That's right. It becomes a resource manual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did one uh, inspection down Harrisburg a while back. Did it when it was like forty three degrees, so we couldn't test the air conditioner. And uh, they had one of the nice Nest thermostats on there. I took that picture. Usually, do the smart thermostats. Well, they called me 
three or four months later, trying to get their air on, say, my air's not working. You know, I know you really didn't test it because it was too cold, but it's not working. So I said, okay, well, I'll come over and check it out. So I went over there, and uh, I just happened to – I looked at my report before I went, and I had a picture of that Nest thermostat. So when I go in there, I looked at the thermostat, and they'd taken that Nest thermostat because it's about a $200 thermostat and put the original old one in, and they didn't wire it properly when they put it back in. So that's why their air wasn't working. But I took the, I'm glad I had that picture so I can show them, here's the thing you had when you, when you bought the house, and they changed it out. So that was an interesting one there. So what do you guys do after this? I mean, who are you going to hand this down to? Well, my son does some of our radon now. Oh, uh, great. I, I don't know. Family business. He, he, he's in the medical field right now. so I, He's not a doctor or anything, but he's in the field. It, it's a possibility. Who knows? Uh, who knows where this business is going? There's going to yeah. you know, more testing's probably coming down the line. Uh, radon's. Radon right now is probably as popular as home inspections was when it started. Tell us a little bit about the radon because there's always that controversy as well of, you know, people have quoted other states where it's not a big <laughs> deal. But here in Lexington, it's a big deal. We have caves and yeah. that limestone. So educate some of the client, the viewership out there. Well, uh, uh, radon gas comes from the ground. It's odorless, tasteless. It's the second leading cause of lung cancer way, way, way behind smoking. Um, and we, we, we have a tester, it's a monitor that sets out for 48 hours and, and continuously reads the air for 48 hours. We send it in electronically and it gives us a readout. It's, um, it's a measured in picolaries per liter. And 4.0 is the standard. If it's above 4.0, it's may need to be mitigated. If it's below, it's fine. Uh, but, but basically it is gas that comes out of the ground, uh, for the most part, poured basements with poured basement walls is probably going to be pretty good. If you have a crawl space with open dirt, ledges, especially no vapor barrier, you're much more likely to have an issue. But it's something that can be controlled. Yes. Right? It can be mitigated. I mm -hmm. think a lot of... Mm -hmm. um, there, there's radon gas out in this parking lot. Right. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a radioactive gas. Uh uh, according to the scientists, it's the second leading cause of lung cancer, and I I, pr I pretty well believe that now. I, I was I was I was pretty iffy about it for years, but uh, uh, I've been around enough of this stuff now that that yeah, if you've got high radon reading, you need to get it mitigated. You don't it isn't going to kill you overnight. You know, you can live in it for a year or so or three or more, but you need to get it mitigated. You don't need to live in a high radon. Environment. Environment uh, for years. Well, in, in my neighborhood, we my neighbor, when we put the house on the market, they had a radon test by the buyer, and it was 38. Ooh. Um, so I immediately had one done because I have a pit basement, which means mm -hmm. I have no exterior yeah. entrance. Right. In my basement, you have to come in through the kitchen and out through the kitchen. And I was terrified because I thought, wow. Shame on me. I'm a real estate agent. I've never had my house yeah. right on check. Um, but mine was two. So we were extremely lucky. So your neighbor could have radon, but you couldn't. And I always highly encourage people to get a radon test. It's only, you know, $100, $200 to get that done. And it's well worth it for peace of mind. But I've also seen my highest that I've seen so far in my real estate lifetime is 87. That's really high. It yeah. was really high. I almost like, 
I I had a little bit of a heart tremor there. Pennsylvania is, is one of the states that, that has the highest rate on readings, and they, it's common for them to get readings in the 200 range. Okay, so that makes me feel better. But it got taken <laughs> care of. A radon system was put in. Um, uh, we, we used Absolute Radon. Dave is great. He's really great manner with clients. And within you know just a couple of days, the radon was down to, I don't know, 1.8. Yeah, that's great. So yeah. it can be taken care of. I just want to get some reaffirmation with that because a lot of people ask about that and get really terrified about it. No, it can be taken care of, especially in crawl spaces that's got good access. They can take care of that very easy. Basements are a little harder because they have to drill the floor. Sometimes they have to drill it in more than one spot, so it's a little more expensive, but it can be done. Right. We, we've had high readings even in houses that are built on a slab. Mm, so even getting it tested on a slab should be done. Yes. Okay. Great. Good to know. We'll add that one to the list out there as well. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you guys. It's super excited to have, you know, a board member of the Home Inspector Board here. Well, it's thank you so very much. Very encouraging. <laughs> and I always appreciate you guys, your knowledge, your friendship, all the information that you provide our clients. How do people reach out to you? How do they find you? Tell us. Well, you can call us by phone. You can look us up on the internet. Uh, uh, Randy, what's our our website, website is ChandlerHomeInspections-Kentucky.com, and then I have all the information about us and how you can reach us. What about phone number? What's the best phone number? Eight five nine three one nine eight one one nine. Okay, so that's eight five nine three one nine eight. 119 folks. And as always, you can call us at our office at 859-490-1101. We're happy to refer um, your name and number. We also will have this podcast out, a great article coming up to you guys, you know, just to give some tips and um, knowledge to all the clients. But I always appreciate having that conversation. Thanks for coming to this Thank you. bourbon Thank you table and, Thank you, and collaborating with us and offering your knowledge to everybody. So remember, everybody, when you're ready to buy, sell, build, or invest, I'm your girl. Just ask Malia. Well, that wraps up another great podcast. Thank you so much for joining us at the Just Ask Malia podcast series. It's always a pleasure to help the local and future residents of Kentucky make smart real estate decisions. And we love connecting you to our community. And that's why we do this. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast series. Make sure your friends and family know all about it. Tag, like us, find us on Facebook, social media. And remember, when you're ready to buy, sell, build, or invest, I'm your girl, Just Us Malia.